You're listening to Howard University Radio Network, Sirius XM Channel 141, HUR Voices. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create Your Life family, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting information from our sponsor. We only pick people and companies that we think are awesome to bring onto the show, so please support them. As a podcaster, I've spent hours and hours editing, doing show graphics, and much more, and I finally got fed up with losing all of my free time to post-production activities. So I decided to do something about it. And if you are a fellow busy podcaster who would like to just record and have someone else do the dirty work of graphic creation, tagging and uploading your show to your server and in-depth SEO generating show notes, go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and today we have an amazing guest in the studio, as we always do, but this gentleman is actually a friend of mine and is doing some amazing things in a market that has been in need of a technological revamp for some time. So I'm excited to come on and really figure out how he's making some changes and how I can make some changes in my life as well in order to uh, be more efficient around living. He is the co-founder and CEO at Bixby, a real estate technology company that makes it easy for property managers to provide top quality service to their tenants and residents. He founded Bixby in New York City in April 2016 and leads a team of technologists that work closely with property owners and managers to create more connected, efficient, and sustainable communities. Previously, he founded MGI, a consulting firm providing outsourced business and product development services to early stage technology companies. He graduated from New York University's Stern School of Business in 2012 with a BS in finance and international business and a minor in film production from the Tisch School of the Arts. He is also a full-stack web developer and completed General Assembly's Web Development Immersive Program in 2015. Create Your Life family, I'm talking about none other than Mr. Mark Smuckler. Mark, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. Hello, Create Your Life family, and good morning, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me here today. I'm really excited to be part of the show. Yeah, Mark, no, I'm excited too, man. It's been a long time in the making for you to, to come and to be on the show. Uh, I want to jump right in and just ask you, man, you're originally from Moscow and grew up in New Jersey after moving to the States at the age of three. Tell us about growing up and moving to NYC to attend school in 2008. Sure, yeah. I can't speak too much about my family's trip from Russia because I was only three years old when we moved here. But like you mentioned, I grew up in New Jersey, not too far from New York, in a town called Montclair, about 30 minutes west of the city. 
Sports was a really big part of my life. I was a gymnast and a martial artist until the age of 13 before picking up tennis and soccer. And then, as you mentioned, I moved to New York in 2008 to study finance at Stern at NYU. And I've been living in New York ever since. Awesome. We were talking a little bit earlier and you talked about your dad wanting to get out of Russia and come over to the U.S. to find better life. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think there was a couple years before you were born that they had been already trying to make yep, it Yeah, that's right. So my family is what are referred to as refuseniks. It's a term given to Jews who were trying to leave the Soviet Union but weren't allowed to leave because of our religious inclination. So I was born in 1989, and the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991. My dad was the editor of one of the underground Jewish newspapers in Russia. So he was really involved in the Jewish movement, uh, particularly with helping Jews either practice freedom or practice their religion in Russia and or leave the country where they wouldn't be persecuted. So in 1991, when the Soviet Union finally collapsed, that gave my family the opportunity to leave. And we kind of had three choices, either to go to Israel, to England, or to the U.S. And we were sponsored by a synagogue in Bloomfield, New Jersey called Temple Ner Tamid and finally made the jump in in early 1992. And like I said, grew up in, in Montclair. Okay, awesome. Now, when you were growing up in Montclair, you actually used to be in a band. Can you tell us a bit more about that? And do you still play? Yeah, music <laughs> was a huge part of my life. It's a big part of my family's life. My mother studied piano her entire life. Her father, my grandfather, is a violin teacher still to this day. Wow. So I picked up music at a really early age, starting with piano, but that didn't last very long because my mother was my teacher and she was a little bit strict, to, to put it lightly. <laughs> uh, so about three weeks into taking lessons with her, I said, you know what, I'm going to go play guitar instead. Mm. And so started playing guitar when I was 11. When I got to high school, me and a few of my friends started a punk rock band. Okay. We used to play shows all over New Jersey, but... I mentioned that I played a lot of sports, and I guess I was a little clumsy or injury-prone because I broke my arm three years in a row. Wow. Snowboarding one year, playing hockey the next year, skateboarding the year after that. So playing guitar was a little bit tough, given that I was kind of in a cast for a lot of those years. So I got really involved in the management side of the business. Mm -hmm. I helped our band produce an album, and then when I got to college, I started managing talent. I got to pause you, man. What was the name of the band? The name of the band was Laudable. We found it in a dictionary, very typical. It means worthy of praise. Okay, awesome. So you get to college, and now you're on the management side. How's that going? I get to college, I'm on the management side, and, and that's what I wanted to make a career out of. I wanted to work in music for my entire life, mm -hmm. and I wanted to be on the business side of it. I started interning for an individual. His name was Matt Graham. Mm -hmm. Matt has a really interesting story because he was Scooter Braun's roommate at Emory University. And for those of you who are familiar with the media industry, Scooter is the one that found Justin Bieber and now runs a company called Scooter Braun Management, uh, really successful in the industry. Matt was managing an artist named Jared Evan. I was very good friends with Jared's guitarist, Andrew Watt. And it was a great experience. I was Matt's assistant. We filmed videos for Jared booked concerts for him. It was a great experience, but when I graduated, I had an opportunity to go work in finance. Mm -hmm. And I went to Matt and I said, hey, look, I've got this job offer. They're willing to pay me a good amount of money. I need you to pay me a little bit, right? I think at that time I was making 
I don't know, maybe seven or eight dollars per hour as his intern. And yeah. I said, I, I need a salary. It doesn't need to be my investment banking salary, but I got to get paid because I'm graduating school and I have bills to pay. Right. And he said, you know, I think I might be going in-house at Interscope and I might be going to work with Scooter and moving to Los Angeles. And, you know, I'm just not sure. And what I felt like was, well, I have this opportunity for a great job. Why don't I take it? Mm -hmm. uh, meaning the investment banking role at a company called Stevens. And then I'll make some money. I'll work hard for two years and I'll come back into the industry. Yeah. What I found was two years out of the, the music industry, a lot of things change. Mm. A lot of things change in every industry in two years. Right. The people that you know, they move into different roles. They move into different companies. Some leave the industry. People come into the industry. And all of a sudden, the players and the landscape that you know isn't quite the same. I felt the same thing when I left the finance industry, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit. I also, when I left banking, thought one day I could probably come back into finance if my entrepreneurial journey doesn't work. Mm. But for a number of reasons similar to the ones that I mentioned about the music industry and, and leaving that space, it's really tough when you leave an industry to pick up the pieces and come back right where you left off. I can only imagine what that looks like. So now you've done this, you're working in finance, or you just switched industries from music. Now you're going into finance. What was that like? How was that experience? It was a completely different culture. Okay. So I graduated from NYU in January of 2012. Mm -hmm. And I spent a few months traveling before starting my first job in Little Rock, Arkansas, for this company called Stevens Inc., which is a privately held investment bank, like I mentioned, based in Little Rock, Arkansas, a world completely unlike the one I'm familiar with here in New York City. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, in an industry that I hadn't really had a ton of experience. Mm -hmm. So it was an incredible experience, a very interesting time. I learned a lot. I learned things about myself. I grew personally. I grew professionally. Mm -hmm. But it was a very, very different environment. I spent the first three months living in Little Rock. If you've never been to Little Rock, it's, it's a very... <laughs> kind of, I guess, typical American city to a certain extent. I always characterize it by a town that has two dueling piano bars right across the street from one another. Wow. Which um, I'd never seen a dueling piano bar in my life. So to have two across the street downtown was kind of symbolic of where I was for me. Right. Um, but after spending three months there, I moved back to New York City where I worked out of the New York City office. Mm -hmm. I covered e-commerce, consumer and retail as an investment banking analyst doing mostly merger and acquisition advisory, a little bit of capital markets. We placed the, close to about a billion dollars in capital during my two years there. I worked on a really small team with some very smart individuals. It was a great experience, but I didn't feel like I wanted to work in finance for my entire career, and that's when I decided to make the switch. Okay. So, yeah, how did the switch come about? Like, what was actually going through your mind? Like, you know, walk us through your journey of creating Bixby. Yeah, the journey of creating Bixby is a long one. It'll, we'll probably have to cover it in a few different parts. Okay. I'll start by saying that my father had been an entrepreneur his entire life, mm -hmm. or my entire life, rather. When my father studied engineering, mm -hmm. when he was getting his PhD, he ended up selling his dissertation rather than completing his PhD to pursue the magazine, the underground newspaper, right. and some of the other roles that he was taking in, in the Jewish movement Who did he sell it to? He sold it to another student. Nice. He was another PhD candidate who needed to <laughs> who needed to graduate, and my dad sold his dissertation to him. So nice. when my dad moved here, he started an adoption business and a travel agency. 
And what his business was, was helping American families adopt children from Russia. Given that Russia had just kind of opened its doors for the first time, mm -hmm. it was really important that there was somebody who really understood the landscape there, can navigate the politics, uh, can navigate the landscape in general. Mm -hmm. And so that was really his role with his partner here in the U.S. The travel agency would help kids and families travel back and forth, mm -hmm. get visas, flights, etc., and my dad's role was to help mediate between the orphanages and help American families adopt. Okay. So I knew for a long time that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, although I didn't really know what that meant. Mm -hmm. In fact, I asked my brother what entrepreneurship was when I was younger, and he said something along the lines of, kind of means you don't really do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that was the stigma that I carried with me for almost 10 years, wow. meaning that, you know, entrepreneurs don't really do much. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I, I realized that that wasn't the case um, and really pursued what is really entrepreneurship, which is building something mm -hmm. from nothing. So when I started to think about leaving the finance industry, it actually came about from two entrepreneurs in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. These guys, their names are Dave and Dave. They started an omni-channel retail business, uh, which means they started a business that was a traditional pick and pack. They mm -hmm. had warehouses where they would store items for retail brands, consumer brands, and handle the shipping and logistics. Mm -hmm. What that transitioned into over time is what I called omni-channel retail. So, it's a big trend in the retail industry today, but it's kind of a mix of e-commerce, drop shipping, and being able to identify what is the most cost-effective way to get a product to an end consumer. Mm -hmm. And essentially, they represented some of the top luxury brands like Tory Burch and Hugo Boss, and mm -hmm. they facilitated all of their e-commerce and their call centers and their shipping and logistics. So if you were to go to a Hugo Boss website and order something, that was actually coming from this warehouse in Cincinnati. And these guys were selling their business, and it was the last deal that I did at Stevens. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in, in Cincinnati, and I actually fell in love with their journey, the journey of building a business. And I realized that rather than going from company to company and helping them acquire new businesses or sell their business, I really wanted to be on the operating side, and mm -hmm. I wanted to build something. They said something to me that really stuck with me, which was, Mark, it sounds like you want to build something. And all we're going to say is, as long as you're watching, you're not playing. Which meant, as long as I was reading books about entrepreneurship and how to start businesses and, and how, to, how to build something, I wasn't actually getting the experience of doing it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of put things into perspective for me in that if I really want to build a company, the only way to do it is to start. Right. And I'd also felt you got to jump in. And I felt that as long as I was kind of doing it on evenings and weekend nights, I wasn't really giving it the full attention, work ethic, workload that it really deserved mm -hmm. and needed to be a successful business. But I also knew that I didn't know anything about starting a company. I okay. learned a lot during my time at Stevens about mature businesses. Mm hmm what it's like to sell a business at the end of its trajectory, mm -hmm. things like revenue and gross profit margins and painting a story around a business. But 
I had no idea what it was like to start a business from nothing and what those first years look like. Mm -hmm. What are the documents required to incorporate a business? Do Mm -hmm. you want to use an LLC versus a C-Corp? How do you structure employment agreements? None of those things did I have any experience in. So what I decided to do was to start the consulting company. Okay. And the consulting company allowed me to work with other early stage companies, founders, three, four, five person teams Mm -hmm. that were in those early stages of their business. Mm -hmm. I could provide them with something that they needed, which was financial analysis, creating financial models, pitch decks, raising capital. But it allowed me to really observe what it was like to start something and learn from them, both their mistakes as well as the things that they were doing well. Mm-hmm. And that was really the purpose of the consulting agency, of course, to make money at the same time and pay for for my living. But it was a learning experience and uh, the first step in my path to, to Bixby. Okay. And so what was the second step? Like, how do you guys even come up with the idea? Are you by yourself? Did you come up with it on your own? Like, how does this work? Yeah. So I knew that I wanted to start something, but I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like the thought of sitting in a room thinking of ideas that people might like. Right. I wanted to find something a little bit more organically. Mm -hmm. And I also knew that I didn't want to start it by myself. Okay. And so those two things alone kind of require the perfect storm, right? You need to have a different perspective about something that other people don't see. Mm -hmm. And then you need to find other people that have that same perspective and vision Mm -hmm. to be able to execute on it with them. Those other people have to be in the right time in their life, right? They have to be willing to leave their jobs. Mm -hmm. They have to be willing to take a pay cut. They have to be willing to work really hard, long hours. It's a huge commitment. It's really Mm -hmm. hard to find other people that can align on that passion at the exact same time in a similar place as you Mm -hmm. and be willing to make those sacrifices. So Bixby came about really organically. After my first year in the consulting business, I realized I was missing a key skill set, and that was an understanding of technology. Okay. And whether I built a software business Mm -hmm. or a retail business, technology was going to have some component. Right. Building a website or offering a software as a service product, there Mm -hmm. was going to be some kind of component in technology. And I didn't like that when I spoke to engineering teams, I, I couldn't understand truly what they were talking about. Okay. How long is it going to take to build this? How much is it going to cost? What are the frameworks you use? These are questions that I really couldn't answer, and it made me uncomfortable, A, because I'm a little bit of a control freak, I suppose, but B, if I was going to start a business, I I needed to know all aspects of the company. So that's when I went to General Assembly. Okay. And I spent three months in their web development immersive program learning how to be a full-stack developer. Mm-hmm. So now this is about a year and a half after I left Stevens, two years after I graduated. So mm-hmm. we're talking three and a half years after I finished college and I'm going back to school to learn software development, which isn't something that I had ever really pursued beyond trying to teach myself on websites like Code Academy and Udemy. Mm-hmm. When I graduated, I realized I know how to code and I've built a few projects, mm-hmm. but I'm not a great developer by any means. And I need more reps. I need practice. Okay. So I went back to that same consulting agency that I'd started and I bundled in a web development component. Mm -hmm. And we started to build websites and design websites for companies. And I did that for an entire year, just getting better at coding. Mm -hmm. Coincidentally, most of the websites that I built were 
websites for real estate companies about the company, the team, what their vacancy is, what apartments are renting for, apply for an apartment. And I probably built somewhere between six and seven of these kinds of websites, one of which was for who eventually became my co-founder, Alex Oheb Shalom at Empire Management. Okay. And this was late 2015 and the very, very beginnings of Bixby. And and how we started Bixby actually was kind of interesting in its own right. Alex had just taken over management at his dad's company, Empire Management. And he called me and he said, hey, Mark, I just took over management. I'm overseeing three properties. And by the way, they own and manage a little over 2,000 apartments a- across the city. So not a small operation to inherit. Mm-hmm. And he said, Every time something happens at a building, I have to go down to the building and put a piece of paper on the wall that says we're shutting off the water for an hour. Nobody sees it, and we end up getting phone calls with tenants who are furious because there's no hot water. Right. My phones ring off the hook all day with tenants complaining that they called the super, and the issue two weeks later still hasn't been fixed. Mm-hmm. And Alex is sitting there saying, hey, I'm so sorry. I didn't know this was an issue. I'll make sure to get on it. Mm-hmm. And they were only taking checks in the mail for rent. Wow. So he called me and he said, we are a very old school operation and we need some way to modernize and digitize the business. Mm -hmm. I told him there's got to be other products out there. So let's try and find one. You don't need to build something from scratch. Right. And after spending a few months looking for other products and evaluating everything that's out there, we felt like there wasn't something that really focused on providing a better experience to the tenants. Mm -hmm. There wasn't something that was mobile friendly. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't something that was really built for non-doorman buildings, which is most of his properties. And that's when we really got interested in the opportunity and started to pursue it more seriously. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, before we came to the conclusion that we wanted to dedicate our time to building Bixby, Mm -hmm. Alex had actually wanted to build a travel website. He had felt like inheriting his dad's business isn't necessarily what he wanted, and he wanted to build something for his own. He was an avid traveler. And I spent a good three months convincing him that he's not the right person to start a travel company. (laughs) Why did you feel that he wasn't the right person? Because I think that even though you're passionate about travel, or you're passionate about music, it doesn't necessarily make you the right person to start a company in that industry. Right. You can love traveling and have visited 50 different companies, but if you don't know anything about the transportation industry mm-hmm. and how airlines operate, mm-hmm. if you don't know any influencers in the travel space, mm-hmm. if you don't know how the industry works, it's hard to start a business in it. Yeah. I'm really passionate about playing soccer. Right. I'm not out there starting a soccer team. Or trying to go MLB. <laughs> or trying to go pro. Right. <laughs> so I think Alex really wanted to start something. I pushed him to look into something that he had a, a lot of experience in. Right. And when he went back to the company and saw all of the inefficiencies, that's really where Bixby started. And so we made an agreement, essentially, that we'll build the product for his company for free. Mm-hmm. But... We're going to start a company that owns the code. We're going to try and bring it to market. Mm -hmm. And Alex is going to give us office space. 
for the next five years. Love it. That's a great, that's a good terms for your end. How did that work? I mean, we're still here two years later and we still don't pay for our office. And Alex <laughs> is a co-founder. I mean, it was incredible. My background wasn't in real estate. Right. And I ended up building a real estate tech company. Mm-hmm. So that never would have been possible mm-hmm. had I not had complete participation and support from Alex and the Empire team. Our office was next door to their office. Yeah. Those first two months when I was building the product, I spent every day bothering the property managers to understand what the necessary features and functionality were and what the user experience needed to be. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I spent almost every evening at the buildings talking to residents, mm. holding cocktail hours and saying, hey, what are some of the pain points you feel at the building? How do you communicate with management? How do you think a product like this can alleviate those things? What do you want in a product like this that we haven't already built in this MVP or minimum viable product? Mm -hmm. So without the support of the Empire team, the access to the tenants, the access to the property managers, Bixby definitely never would have existed. Well, Create Your Life family, I think Mark is definitely telling us that he did a lot of uh, customer development in order to get to where he is and to understand the product, the industry, et cetera. So research and being on the ground, it matters and it makes a huge difference. Mark, how has Bixby changed since you first started? More than anything, Bixby's become a real company. It's kind of grown up. Mm Mm-hmm. We follow a very, very lean methodology at the company. Okay. For those listeners who have read The Lean Startup or haven't read The Lean Startup by Eric Ries, Mm -hmm. I absolutely recommend it. Absolutely. And it's a framework that you can apply to anything, Mm -hmm. Um, not just to entrepreneurship and creating a business, but also your day-to-day job and also your personal life. And it's really kind of boils down to or comes down to a concept of build, measure, learn, Mm -hmm. and maximize the efficiency of that feedback loop, meaning do that as fast as possible Mm -hmm. so that you don't build something that nobody wants. Right. That's super important. One of my friends said that, you know, you could spend $50,000 on an app or on some tech and not have any users. So oftentimes we, on the Create Your Life series, we discuss learn, measure, build so that you know exactly what's going on in the market. You do the research, do the customer development and discovery, and then you go and you build. So Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I guess you can also consider learn, build, measure, mm-hmm. but making sure you do that really quickly so you don't build everything all at once. Right? Absolutely. So in that sense, mm-hmm. when we started the company, we raised $35,000. Okay which is a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of building a mature business. Right. We raised it from Alex, myself, and a few friends and family and and real estate angels. Mm -hmm. And I told everyone, I don't know if we have a business. We have an idea. We think that it can solve a pain point. Mm -hmm. We have a few customers that have validated that they need a product like this. Mm -hmm. But just because you can have three, four, five people using a product that you build doesn't mean that you can create a sustainable business. It's one of the reasons so many startups fail so early and and one of the key details that that people miss. Mm -hmm. A great product does not necessarily always translate into a great business. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's one of the reasons we've made it to this point where we've really taken the company day by day. We kind of have this mindset of, 
I guess you can call it being humble, but more so it's, I think, being open-minded and, mm. and not being too committed to anything. Okay. Meaning that we don't really take anything as fact forever. Right. What we know today might change tomorrow. Right. Create Your Life family. Due to programming time limits, this episode has been cut short. So please be sure to listen to the full episode on podcast via iTunes, Spotify, or on our website, cyoseries.com.